0: Completely on topic, Roger Waters has re-recorded "Dark Side of the Moon." He's like, "It's my project. I wrote it, so blah. I don't need any of the other guys or the two guys that are still around."
1: Welcome to GCP Life, episode number thirty-three. For the 10th of February, 2023. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, you're fired. What's with all the mass layoffs? We check out the quarter four results. We take a look into the next salvo in the AI wars. And is Google getting too big for its boots? But before we get to any of that... I'd like to introduce the invigorated co-host, Dave Wall. How
0: are you going, Dave? <laughs> yeah, you know I really love, and hopefully, you know, we can play a little bit of the cutouts of this episode. <laughs> because we just had a major audio malfunction. <laughs> and the fir- the thing you said to me the first time around was not nearly as pleasant as that one. <laughs> <laughs> But I am invigorated, thank you. I am feeling very sprightly. it did give you a lift, didn't it? (laughs) It did too. I think it always helps when we have something silly happen at the start of the podcast.
1: It does, it does. It really sets the mood. Anyway, I saved a day. I I do have a little habit of going back and and checking uh, that the recording is actually happening every now and then. And luckily I did that because it was only like the first couple of minutes of the show. Yeah, that would have been real bad. An hour in. (laughs) Oh, I'll tell you what. I have a habit
0: of that because, you know, when I first got this mic, I had all these problems with the cable and it would always drop out. So mm. I've got mm. the like Audacity window up on a half screen and I've got you on the other half of the screen so I can see the waveform the whole time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I might actually just do that here while I've got that going. Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, where, where were we? Yeah, oh yeah. So uh, how, how you been? What's been happening in the last fortnight? or well, A little bit extended fortnight, actually. Yeah, a little little stretch. We did a
0: early podcast last time around, so it actually it felt like a while <laughs> having that extra
1: few days. It it did. Yeah, it did sort of gave us a break. But I, I really wasn't on a break when I was away. It was so busy. We, we had um, oh, you know, I had my parents nearby and my sister, so we we're doing stuff with them all the time. And the dog was with us, so I had to take him out all the time. So. Even though I was off off for a week, it's uh, I, I I wasn't uh, just sitting up on the couch the whole time. I'll tell you what. Yeah, you had to had to come back have a couple of days off to uh, <laughs> recover. Hey, I, need, hey, I, needed, I needed a few days in my chair to recover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah, we um we took a couple of days. We're down to Phillip Island and um yeah, did the beach stuff and but we went to this uh like a fun house thing. It's called like Amazing Things. Because they have a maze and and things. (laughs) Um, I think I may have been there, actually. Yeah, Yeah. it's like on the the main drag on Phillip Island. Like, you can't miss it, really. Um, But, uh, yeah, they have, like, the- normal kind of fun house stuff like mirror rooms and like rooms where like everything's on kind of like an angle. So it throws off your sense of perception. That was mm. pretty funky. Um But they had like a, like a horror room that was a- attached to all these kind of like magicians tricks things. And uh so we didn't take the kids through that, but I, I went in um, cause I wanted to see, and it was genuinely scary. Like it was, wow. it was, yeah. it was I would not go back into that again. Because, <laughs> you know, usually those things are pretty lame, right? Yeah. Like a haunted house or sort of think. No, there were some genuine jump scares, and even some of the ones that I was like, okay, I know when I walk down there, that box is definitely something's going to happen with that box. Yeah. So I'll be <laughs> prepared for that. And then. Yeah, something did, but then something got me from behind as well at the same time, and I wasn't prepared for
1: that. <laughs> so, jump scare that you were ready yeah. for, but then, then they just yeah, switch and bait. You know, yeah, exactly. The, other way. The, the double jump scare. The double jump scare. <laughs> I that's can't right. jump that many
0: ways. <laughs> well,
1: uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was a good time. Classic thing they do in the movies, right? Isn't it? They they think you're going to be scared, then they let you calm down, and then they really scare you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, other than that, it's, yeah, it's just straight back in and straight back to work. I haven't really been playing with any tech. I, uh, I did muck around a little bit with VMware during the week on, on a box here, but I found, quickly found out that that box was, was way too old to run anything <laughs> decent on it. Yeah. So I gave up with that idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, Stop the Presses, yesterday a story came out on uh, CRN And I was not expecting this, but um, Fast 50 company Mandel Group achieves AWS and Google recognition. And this article mentions myself and Lizzie as receiving the uh, Google Cloud Partner All Stars Program Award. So I was not expecting that. I'll link the article in the show notes. The article also links back to GCP Life, back to this podcast, So it's going to be very interesting to see if there's an uptick in subscriptions as a result It's going to be good for our SEO, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Um, But I I, I don't know anymore. I don't know how this article came about or who... uh, Amelia Norris has written this article. I don't know much about Amelia Norris either. But uh, right there on CRN, uh, one of Australia's premier uh, IT publications... Um, also talks about uh mantle group um KASNA and and um, c rec- m d because c m d also recently received uh what the, what's the award called um, uh, australian services partner of the year for a w s australian services that's it yeah uh, so they received that um and uh yeah everything's just onwards and upwards with the mantle group um you know businesses
0: I did like there was a uh, there was a typo on this article when it first went up though, <laughs> <laughs> and like, you you were bankrosoft. Bankrosoft.
1: <laughs> bankrosoft. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to keep that. You're to register that domain, right? Ooh, don't me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I quickly responded to the LinkedIn post and said, oh, "Could you please fix that typo?" Because I had no other way of re- getting in touch with these people. And it seems like yes, they have gone back and uh, and done that. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll link that in the show notes. Have a have a read of that, or or go into LinkedIn. You'll you'll see it everywhere all over LinkedIn, I'm sure. Um, something else that happened during the week. I, I wasn't going to make a full news article about this, but the VMware ransomware.
0: Yeah, and now this one's disappointing. So this was like worldwide. There's been like thousands of ESXi hosts that have been you know ransomware. Mm. Um, the disappointing thing is like. That bug, it was. It was the patches were for out for it in early 2021. Yeah, right. So it was a flaw in the SLP service. Now I recall actually at the time, because I was managing a VMware fleet then, um, <clears throat> it was both the Sim service and SLP that needed to be disabled. And even if you couldn't do the patches, you could just disable the services and you'd be okay. So, like, come on, guys, this is like nearly two years ago that mm. these patches came out. Like, it's it's bad that. These people have been um, exploited, but if you haven't patched your ESXi hosts
1: in two years- Yeah. And so, they're internet-facing. <laughs> so you've made your own bed, right, and you've got to lie in it. Yeah. Um, now, they say this is for versions of ESXi prior to 6.7, right? Um, that's I think that's what I sort of read in one of the articles. And I know from my experience during the week- you can't do anything. You pretty much, anything before 6.7 is almost useless. <laughs> You've you got no, none of the new features, almost nothing you can do with it. And it's ancient hardware to run those old versions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: like 6.7 U3, which is like the latest version of 6.7, Yeah. Go. I think it's already end of support, but it's end of like extended support or end of technical guidance in <sighs> uh, October this year. So, right, so, we're talking about TikTok the generation guys. before that even. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because even vSphere 7 came out two years ago. Yeah. yeah it was in 2020.
1: So, um. <laughs> so and, and and articles I've been reading, they're talking about thousands of, of yeah. VMware installs in primarily Europe at the moment. Are, are people really that... that uh, I don't know. Yes, is that, yes. just that lazy or they, just, they is that are. frightened or just they, what? They
0: they are hundred percent are. And you know, this you I've seen this a disturbing amount of times where you'll look at a, a customer's environment and they'll have ESX i hosts that have uptimes in the hundreds of days. Yeah. Oh. Into so like uptimes where there were like two or three years worth of uptime when you had that yep. service never been rebooted. If it's never been rebooted, it's never been patched.
1: Yeah this This feeds into a conversation we had in a previous show where you know chaos engineering uh reliability you actually need to be rebooting these machines because uh-huh. one day you're gonna have a power outage or you're gonna have something that causes them someone's gonna trip over a lead or something, and as part of your testing and you know reliability, you need to be rebooting them oh yeah yeah, you know, so uh... that's even outside the need to patch them
0: right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's a, it's a testament to the stability of VMware as a platform.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah. reboot
0: your host, people.
1: Yeah, well, it's based on Linux, so, you know, it's got a lot. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, let's get on with the community news. I thought we'd introduce a new segment. Called community news and we're just going to highlight a few things that are happening around the place um you know the ones we have here today are, are featuring uh Kaznians, people from Kazna. but uh if anything comes up that would interest our audience or if you've got something you want put in our community spotlight then yeah send it through to the show and we'll make sure it appears here yeah always happy but- to give something a plug that's right we'll give you a little bit of a plug. Um, but for this week, we have a couple of items going on. We have, um, on the 2nd of March, we have the Hitchhiker's Guide to... What's, what's, the, what's the thing? Hitchi- Hitchi- Hitchhiker's Guide to Google Cloud. Thanks. Yeah, I, knew, I knew it was something. That's on the 2nd of March. Um, this is a free one-day Google Cloud training event. And this is run by CASA. Um, and we've
0: done it before. Yeah, we did it up in, in Sydney at the tail end of last year. and
1: That's right. And, uh, you know, the, the idea is to get you skilled up and introduced to Google Cloud. And it, uh, you know, exposes you to to what's possible on Google. And um, I think there's some swag and but you can't put a price on that, right? That's <laughs> Free right. Free training, but swag is forever. Yeah, it's a completely free one-day intensive training that will upskill you in basic Google Cloud knowledge and includes hands-on, real-life challenges to solve alongside a carefully constructed training agenda from Kazan's Google Cloud experts and our partners at Google. So there you go, there you go some uh, people at Google as well. Um, so yeah, check that one out. I'll put the link in the show notes. A um, second item for today is... We have Louise Smith, who's one of our data engineers. She is presenting at uh, the Perth uh, Data Engineer Conference, and that's on the 22nd of February. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that conference. I don't see a link for the agenda here, but uh, she's presenting an item on that. So if you're in Perth, make sure you get along to that on 22nd of Feb. Uh, and finally, uh, this one was um, given to me by a friend of the show, Ian Brown. Of course, we all know Ian. We all uh, do. Been on the show a few times. Uh, Google Developer Group in Brisbane, GDG Brisbane, is doing uh, a Flutter Ford recap uh, on, the, on February the 9th, Thursday, February the 9th. That's tonight, in fact. Um, so if you're hearing this on Friday the 10th, then it will be too late. So I hope you went. I hope you had a great time. Have yeah, yeah. you went? I hope you did. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's really uh, angled at Flutter. I think uh, Flutter Ford was on a few weeks ago discussing Flutter. I don't pretend to know Flutter, and I don't even play a Flutter developer on the podcast. But uh, <laughs> this is this is a recap of of what happened at Flutter, and it's presented by uh, Brett Morgan um, uh, from Google Australia. So that is our community news for this week. Let's get on with the news items. Of course, the big story from uh, the previous week was all the layoffs.
0: Yeah, it was uh, across the board. All of big tech was taking the axe to the (laughs) headcount.
1: You know what it reminds me of? Reminds me of Zorg.
0: Excuse me, sir. The council is worried about the economy heating up. They wondered if it'd be possible to fire 500,000. I thought maybe from one of the smaller companies where no one would notice, like one of the cab companies. Fire one million. For 500,000. One million. Fine, sir. Sorry to disturb you.
1: So let's just go through the numbers here. Um, Microsoft, 10,000. Google, 12,000. Amazon, 18,000. Meta, 11,000. (laughs) Casna. Zero. Zero. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Look, to be fair, these are US. I'm not sure what the impact is here in Oz. Uh, I've not heard of any great impact similar. Mm, Uh, Yeah. It was was interesting in that because, you know,
0: Big tech had been hoovering up all of the talent, you know, all through like the COVID years, like the, the, the mm. massive ramp up in hiring that they were all doing. That even with these, you know, pretty sizable layoffs, most of their headcount is still like well up on where they were, even towards the
1: end of 2021. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, there was a period there where if you weren't a big tech company, you couldn't get tech people. Oh. You're right. They're all hoovered yep. up. Yeah, that's, that's the right term for it. Yep. Um, is, it, is it the end of the party? Have they been spending too much up to now? I would posit that, yes, possibly
0: they overran, like they were trying to hire in front of demand and then, mm. you know, softening economic data is uh, giving them some time to have to go back and, and maybe reassess their requirements, maybe be a little bit, bit more choosy about who they've gotten, who they might want to clean house on. Like I, was, I definitely yeah. saw, you know, the sort of people who would post videos of like, this is what a day in the life of working at Google is. You know, <laughs> it's just like them going to the gym and getting okay. juice and stuff and they're like, I well, just got doing? sacked by Google. <laughs> yeah.
1: I have to say though, I've seen a few clips on YouTube on individuals that were sacked by Google. I don't think they went the right way about it. You know, the one story of someone trying to log into their account, you know, Monday, first thing Monday morning they couldn't log in. Yeah, it was like <laughs> three a, three AM, locked
0: all the accounts out.
1: Yeah. And no explanation why, just just locked out. I think that's a bit low, really, <laughs> yeah, really.
0: Yeah, that's um that's that's a harsh way to find out.
1: That yeah, and then this particular individual had to had to ring around, find of well, course they couldn't find anyone's numbers because it's all in the corporate directory. Yeah. I uh, had, had to finally find, you know, use the telephone to, to make calls. <laughs> Who It's like, so like, how do I call Google? How do I get <laughs> <Yeah>, there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then just eventually found out they've been sacked. So I, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with the way it was carried out. Um, I can, un- I can probably understand the reasoning behind it, but the approach was not the best. Mm. I mean, um,
0: on, on the plus side, at least. Google's got pretty, uh, pretty generous severance packages that they do, so I think they they're kind of all right on that regard, especially for anyone who's uh, you know had a
1: decent amount of tenure. So yeah, it did end up costing them a lot. Um, the company, I, 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 this has come out of another article. When we get on the Q4 earnings, this this was something that was in, in that article. The company expects uh, the recently announced layoffs of about twelve thousand people to cost between. 1.9 billion and 2.3 billion in severances and related costs. Absolutely.
0: I mean that's gotta sting. So it does, but companies at that size, they tend to kind of keep that money on hand.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, right. I I've certainly I've been through, you know, redund- the redundancy cycles before working in enterprise. Like yep. it was always just it was a thing that was floating around, right? And there was no matter what was going on there was always money for redundancies. It's like yeah. a whole separate bucket of money. Yeah. <laughs>
1: just yeah, keep that aside, aside yeah. in
0: case we have to sack yep. the entire workforce.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like leave payments as well. They have to keep the leave money aside in case like a whole bunch of people decide to take a leave around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But l- l- let's look at it here. Um, the pandemic, obviously during the pandemic, there was a change in consumer spending, right? Um, and, and in the last 12 months, that's almost gone 180 degrees in what's happened, right? Yep. And um, especially recently, I mean, everyone's just pivoted to AI almost overnight. I mean, it was building up for a while, but suddenly all the focus is heavily on that. Um, and, and if you, there's the, the tech companies up to now, they've focused on VR and AR, right? Let's look at what they've been focusing on VR and AR what's that doing? Well, you know how I feel about... <laughs> We've talked right? about the metaverse a bunch. And- going nowhere, right? Yeah. Uh, voice assistants. I mean, that was big there for a while, right? That dumped heaps of money into voice assistants. Yeah.
0: Hey, right? do going nowhere. Well, right? okay, yes. It's not going to make them any money, but I do love my, like, Google Home device.
1: Well, yeah. I, I think it's gimmicky. I really think it's gimmicky. I don't think it's going to make the potential changes that, AI looks like it's going to make. I
0: don't know. I haven't seen um, AI go and set my timer for cooking my eggs. Oh, you wait. Yeah. You wait. <laughs> you're like, hey, Dave, you're eating too many eggs. So <laughs> I'm not going to set a
1: timer for you. <laughs> Dave's not here, man. <laughs> what about consumer tech? Things like Peloton bikes. We're not buying them anymore. No. Right? Yeah. They, would have been, they would have been selling in droves, right? Yeah, they did. They, right. Were, they were riding out the door. Right. They were riding out the door, not doing selling on them anymore. So that's just crashed. And and we already talked about CES the other day, how they just put a smart device on on anything. And I think- are flushing it, them down it, the toilet now. It's saturated. The, the, the devices, the tech is saturated. People are saturated in their homes. I, there's kind of no need. Like my phone is like, uh, it's a, a, a OnePlus 5 and it's years old now. It's like four years old, five years old. But it's fine, it does the job. I'm not getting the updates, but it does the job <laughs> like I don't the camera's fine, it plays music fine like yeah, it's it's it, very much a black rectangle it's a black rectangle like all the others so <laughs> theres a, there's a saturation effect there, and people just aren't spending on devices anymore and another one I thought about too is uh content spending like netflix and 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 prime and you know they're not really um it doesn't seem like they're going out and and putting as much in. Like, when was the last Star Wars thing we saw? Like, prior to the pandemic, how many Mm. Marvel and Star Wars movies came out, right? But since then, there's not been much. It's really slowed down.
0: Yeah, except Avatar. (laughs) (sighs)
1: Let's not talk about Avatar. Can we? (laughs) (laughs) It's not a movie podcast. (laughs) Could be. (laughs) So, and I, 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 I kind of... Now, he, I've got another hypothesis as well, right? I've seen a 10-year cycle here. Now, just stay with me here for a bit. Right? We, mm-hmm. had the dot, we had the dot-com crash, late 90s, right? 2000-ish, right? Then around uh, 2009, 2010, we had uh, sort GFC. of another GFC crash, right? It a 10-year thing. And now here we are. It's a little bit on from 10 years, but around the same time, post-pandemic, right, we're getting another... Another sort correction. of tech crash. Probably. A correction. A tech correction. Exactly. So there seems to be this 10 year cycle that's occurring. Uh, we're post the pandemic, which all the reasons I just, just talked about now people aren't spending. Uh, and this tech saturation effect where um, um, there's a video I watched on uh, Nutella, uh, such a, such a uh, Satya was saying um, everyone's got the tech that's saturated, they, they don't really need anymore. Um, this is why everyone's so excited about things like ChatGPT. It's it's new, right? It's a, it's a it's novel an, uh, thing.
0: Yeah, I think novel thing. I think, you know, we touched on this last time or maybe the time before, but, like, it's, it's a real thing that I can interact with and get a response. So it's not an yeah. abstract thing like, oh, we're using AI in this industry to hyper-globalize our widget delivery.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... Well, we'll talk about Bing search later, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so I just think all those factors have confounded, you know, at the same time and suddenly all tech companies just gone. Ah, we can't afford to go on like this. We've got to cut some dead wood. Well, not, not dead wood. I'm pretty sure there's plenty of great people that they had to put off, but they've all pivoted at the same time. Yeah,
0: Interesting times, unfortunately.
1: Interesting times,
0: unfortunately. Uh, It was nice that period of time where line just go up.
1: Line go up was nice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But line him go all ziggy-zaggy
0: now. Yeah, no. Yeah. now the only line that's going up is my mortgage payment.
1: <laughs> oh, every month. Tell me about it. All right, so while we're talking about profit and loss, let's, let's discuss the Google Q4 earnings uh, article on CRN again. Um, a lot of quotes, a lot of things on here. They do get to the numbers at one point. It was, a good, it was a good Q4
0: for Google Cloud. I mean, that's the key thing, right, is that the, the numbers for Alphabet as a whole weren't great, but Google Cloud had still really strong growth um, and a big reduction in their loss year on year.
1: Um, yeah, so the numbers on that, Dave, uh, Google Cloud brought in $7.3 billion during the quarter, uh, an increase of about 30% year over year. Not bad. Right, The unit reported an operating loss of $480 million of the quarter. But that is about half the loss experienced a year prior. Yeah. Now, I'm thinking back
0: um, because we would have touched on this because this podcast has been going on for over a year now. We would mm. have touched on those Q4 results this time last year. We would have. We would have. And I, I think I remember it's like, remarking that even, even then, like, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's on the way up. It was still reducing over the year before. So, it's great seeing it still progressing. It'd actually be cool to pull out that, our previous if, comments on it.
1: If we'd actually done some good research on this, then yeah, we'd be able to do that. We could have. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, they're telling us here in this CRN article that it has improved um, year on year. Alphabet did not break out revenues for Google Workspaces, the enterprise application suite. We know what it is. But Perot said that segments delivered strong results and were driven by increases in both seats and average revenue per seat. So uh, ha- it sounds like they're happy with uh, where they sit, even though they're operating a loss. I did read in another article that most of that loss is, has actually come from reinvestment in the platform.
0: Yeah, they're building forward. Mm. There's still new DCs being added in, adding services to, you know, other sites worldwide. Like, you know, That's we right. know, right? Even like, you know, we deal a lot with the VMware Engine. That's a big hardware investment on Google's oh. side to add that to a region.
1: Yep. Yep. And then to continually maintain it too. Of course. Yeah. And finally, at the end of this article, Alphabet brought in $76 billion in consolidated revenue for the quarter. An increase of seven percent year over year, ignoring foreign exchange. The bulk of Alphabet's revenue still comes from online advertising, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. Particularly from Google Search, the ad business brought in fifty-nine billion during the quarter. That's just down about
0: Like I think about like how big GCP is, and it's only ten percent of the revenue. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Fifty-nine billion for a quarter—that's crazy. That'll do. Yep. Um, for the full year in 2022, here we go. Alphabet brought in 283 billion, up 14 percent year over year, ignoring foreign exchange. So yeah, there's some big numbers, but um, apparently the Dodge doesn't like it. The, the Dodge doesn't like it because uh, they're trying to split Google up with an antitrust. The Dodge. Yeah. Um, Dodge filed second antitrust suit against Google seeking to break its ad business up. I like the idea of calling the US Justice Department the Dodge. (laughs) Department of Justice, yeah. So um, this is an article on CNBC. And if you've not heard about this, uh, here's the key points. The US Justice Department filed its second antitrust lawsuit against Google in just two years. This time targeting its advertising business. Uh, the first lawsuit under the Biden administration, uh, and it comes soon after reports that the Dodge Antitrust Division Chief, Jonathan Cantor, had been cleared to work on Google Matters. So uh, he asked for it, and he sounds like he's going after them. Now, what's the breakdown on this? Well, the lawsuit, which focused on Google's online advertising business, seeks to make Google divest parts of its business. Interesting. I want to split it up. Google's advertising business generated $54.5 billion, is that number again, in the quarter ending 30 September, from Search, YouTube, Google Network ads and other advertising. And uh, it's drawn some critics because the platform operates on multiple sides of the market. Now, this is where we get to the crux of why they're trying to do this, buying, selling, and ad exchange, giving a unique insight into processes and potential leverage. Yeah, I think that's that's
0: where it's all come together, right? You got this one-stop shop, Google sits in the middle, they can see who's buying, who's selling, who's willing to pay for what, and they can see all
1: the spread. Yeah, and so there's a quote here, it says, and I've got a I've got an opinion on this. Is there a deeper issue with us owning the platform, the exchange, and a huge network? The analogy would be if Goldman or Citibanks owned the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. Now I don't know about that. Here's the thing Google have built this platform. Right? They built it, they own it. You don't have to use it,
0: right? <laughs> I think part of it has come in is that, yes, they. A lot of it was built in house. There's also been a lot of acquisitions over the years as well, but those acquisitions have been approved. Um, I think it's more now that they've they've hit such a a prominent point in the market, oh, mm. uh, so to which those- they come back and say that oh well no look yeah, Meta has this massive uh, ad market as well, and you know, there is competition. Um, but I could I can see where they would be. Being looked at for that,
1: yeah, and they do cite Meta as an argument, saying, you know, we don't dominate the whole ad space. M- Meta are one of our biggest competition.
0: This uh, this quote here that, in effect, Google was robbing from Peter the advertisers to pay Paul mm. the publishers, all while collecting a hefty transactions fee for its own privileged position in the middle. The enforcers That's, allege.
1: <laughs> yes, interesting. Um, so. The whole thing hinges on this open bidding tool. So um, I've got a couple of quotes here that kind of explain what's going on. Um, So Google became aware of another attempted workaround called header bidding, where publishers could add code to their websites to let non-Google ad exchanges bid for inventory, but before Google's ad exchange preferences were triggered letting ad exchange rivals back into the market in a significant way. And Google has described that as an existential threat. Then, Then Google spun up its own thing called open bidding tool as an alternative, which the complainant called a Trojan horse. Publishers and ad exchanges that participated in the program had to give Google visibility into their auctions including rival exchange bids. That allowed Google's ad exchange to retain a guaranteed seat in every auction, regardless <laughs> of whether Google's ad exchange offers the best match between advertisers and publishers. So that's the key of the complaint there. I mean, yeah, that kind of sounds anti-competitive. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the complaint alleges. Um, so we'll see what happens, but... The thing is, this has been tried before. Um, Yeah, so it largely duplicates an unfounded lawsuit by Texas Attorney General, much of which was recently dismissed by a federal court. Dodge is doubling down on a flawed argument that would slow innovation, raise advertising fees, and make it harder for thousands of small businesses and publishers to grow. That's what Google is saying. So they're going to argue that uh this has been done before and it got kicked out of federal court, so it shouldn't even be heard which of course of course they're gonna you know they're gonna present
0: that case that there's no merits to it, and I guess we'll just have to see how it you know
1: rolls out. out yeah
0: <laughs> the um the one thing the other bit of controversy I think there was around this um was that certain, uh, certain politicians in the US made some pretty sizable sells of Google stock 30 days before this
1: was announced. Interesting. Yeah. Insider trading, anybody? Yeah. I, th- oh, I don't yeah, think yeah. it's Canada's insider trading no. if you're a politician, apparently. You're right. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Skirting the margins there for sure. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so yeah, let's we'll keep an eye on that one, but um, let's move on. Now, Dave Google yep, has fired the next salvo. The next salvo in the AI wars. It's on. Begun the AI wars have. Begun <laughs> the, the AI war has. So we saw ChatGPT and we've talked ad ad infinitum about ChatGPT. G yeah, and we've talked but, about
0: like, hey, what's Google going to do next? What are they, you know, what are they keeping their powder dry for? What's going on? Yeah. Speculation. But we have Bard. We have Bard now.
1: We do. <laughs> Long live the Bard. So Bard's been around for a while, and we talked about Bard. Um, oh, yes, yeah, so it was Lambda. Is the the underlying. Lambda, yeah. No. And it was one of the one of the the Lambda engineers said, "Oh, this thing's sentient." And kind of went off the rails about it. Yeah. Um, but let's break this down. I was trying to understand this. We, we've got OpenAI, Yum. which ChatGPT runs on, and that's equivalent to Anthropic. So that's like the platform that Bard runs on. Is that right? No. Okay. So you've got a, a couple of things in play. still, there. I understand. Okay. I still <laughs> don't understand.
0: Okay. So there's a company called OpenAI. They yes. have a large learning model, which is ChatGPT that, you know, we all know and love. Uh, and in conjunction, uh, Microsoft are a massive investor into OpenAI. And OpenAI runs on Azure. Okay, So, that's, that's that relationship. Yep. Google has uh, BARD, which runs on Lambda. Yep. Uh, and obviously runs on... It's going to be GCP running
1: all the back end of that. Not to be confused with AWS Lambda functions. Not of to be confused no. with Lambda functions. No. no. <laughs> um, there is a third
0: player here, which you mentioned is Anthropic. Now, yes. Anthropic was span out of ex OpenAI people, and they have their own chatbot in in development called uh, Claude. Claude. Yeah. Um. Now, Google has invested uh, like $400 million into Anthropic, um, which I think about a 10% stake. And I think Anthropic has announced that Google's like their preferred partner for running cloud compute. Um, but I don't think that that money actually had a requirement for them to spend it on Google Cloud. Right. So it wasn't like a you have to use us is use some credits
1: (laughs) 400 million (laughs) 400 million credits yeah (laughs) um okay so that's that's the landscape we're at at the moment now we we know all about chat gpt and open ai um where that's at but but bard right now is in a a closed preview it right,
0: it is. yes. Yeah, so it's like yeah. a like a trusted early access thing. We don't have direct access to it. However, we do have some contacts at Google that we were able to ask them to go and ask Bard to do things for us. And what did you ask Bard, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted a script for a podcast episode <laughs> about Bard <laughs> because that would make it make our job easier right it would it would and uh what did bard say let's let's dig it up here all right do we want to run through the script oh give give us a taste of it okay 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 I'll i'll put on my bard voice yeah hi everyone and welcome to another segment of our podcast today we'll be talking about bard the ai language model that's been generating a lot of buzz lately with me is our guest speaker uh Guest speaker's name. Let's say it'll be you, right? Let's say Banky, yeah, yeah. who is an expert in the field of natural language processing.
1: Banky, welcome to the show. <laughs> and then it's got a whole script here, doesn't it? There's yeah. This guest speaker's name. Could you tell me a bit about Bard? And then it goes on. And yeah, it's just this whole conversation, and it, it really is natural, isn't it? Yeah, it, it. You know, it looks it looks like
0: any level of kind of fluff piece that you might see, like a. Just
1: a very short segment on a news program. They will do it. It's amazing. So what do you think of the implications of BARD for the future of AI? I think BARD is a very exciting development in the field of AI. It shows it's possible to create AI. I'm reading this directly. I'm not changing any of it. It shows it's possible to create AI systems that can generate text that is indistinguishable from human written text. This could have a number of implications, including the ability to create more realistic chatbots, and virtual assistants, and the ability to generate more accurate and formative news articles.
0: I agree. I think Bard is a very promising development, and I'm excited to see what other applications it will be used for in the future.
1: (laughs) Thanks for your insights, Dave, (laughs) and all that time we have for today. I mean, do you remember hearing the recording of the Google Assistant? And the Google Assistant could like- Oh, uh, adding you know, the ums just, and R's, uh, the yeah, natural yeah, that's right. ticks and, and you could just tell it, oh, book me a haircut at 12 o'clock and then it would it would ring the place and talk to the person and it's like, oh, 12 o'clock is not available. Could we do 12.30? Yeah, 12.30 is fine. And then it would put an entry in your calendar. Yeah. That's, that was as fluent as this. Yeah, it was super cool. I mean, yeah. you know, that
0: side of- not really virtual assistants, but, like, something on the phone side of things that I've been finding really great is having, like, the call screening stuff on my Pixel. So if I get, like, a dodgy phone call, I can send it to call screening and it will answer the phone call and it tells it gives them a little thing saying that, like, it's being recorded and being transcribed to me. I can see it on my phone. Yeah. Uh, and if the person, you know, if it's the actual legit call, I can then pick it up.
1: Right. That's a function of the phone. It's a function fu- of the phone on the All
0: pixels right. uh, same goes for like if i call a call center um hmm. it will pick up that i'm on hold and it'll be like do you want me to like hold for you and uh i can say yes and i can put my phone down and uh it's just the- it shows a little transcription it'll say like you know music playing blah blah, blah. maybe it'll yeah.
1: transcribe the ads that they put in there and yeah. then yeah and then it rings when a person answers to tell you to pick it up yeah oh it's so cool i to upgrade. I, t- I talked about how useful my phone <laughs> is still, but it's really not. Nah. <laughs> i got to upgrade.
0: Yeah, but I, 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 a little bit off topic, but you know, we are seeing more actual useful features
1: for AI, right? Mm. Yeah, that's great. It's when the AI start talking to each other, that's when we've got to be worried, yeah. <laughs> which they may well be. Um, it, it, I guess the landscape is this for that to actually happen.
0: Dun, 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 dun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's look at this. Uh, Google has invested $400 million uh, in this. Google Alphabet Inc. Uh, Alphabet Inc. Google has invested almost $400 million in artificial intelligence startup Anthropic, which is testing a rival to open AI's chat GPT, according to a person familiar with the deal. Uh, of course, they declined to comment on it. Uh, and then this article goes in to talk about how it's evolved, as we just discussed, and uh, where it's going on. So, you know, it's just the next salvo in the war. Now, I went and I, I signed up for the, the Bing, uh, the new Bing. Right.
0: Wow. You just added yourself as a
1: Bing user. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I want to find out. I want to find out. Go there, Bing, bing.com, right, and yeah, have you seen, you've seen? got to be aware of what's going on. Google has just, they must be, like, in panic mode over this. All right. This let has me, just come let me, from let nowhere. Me, let me see your right. Bing. Oh, it's not working just yet because you have to sign up for um, the – so here you would type in, I need to throw a dinner party for six people who are vegetarian. Can you su- suggest three-course menu and a chocolate dessert? So that's the kind of thing you would put into it: mm. AI assisted search, right? And you go try, right? Now, this now see it's it's giving me my usual search results. Which, by the way, I mean this is just copy paste Google. I really is being. Oh, I can see on the, it on the right hand side. This, no, there it is on the right hand side. This yeah, is what you, right. your 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 AI assisted search would look like. Right? Okay. Sure, I can success three courses with a chocolate dessert for you, blah, 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 blah. Right? Hmm. So you can you can go and join the wait list for the AI assisted search and bing. And I've done that. I've done that so you don't have to. Thank you. Right? Thank you. And and I'll tell you what the experience is like when I when I get it. But this is the next hotness. And um Google search guys must be kicking themselves that they've missed the boat on this I tell you what and they're in panic mode because uh, this could potentially really give Bing a leg up if this works the way I, I see that, you know they're anticipating yeah yeah I mean it's pretty cool It is yeah um I have to but use Bing, once <laughs> again it it raises all those content usage questions right, that we talked about the oh, other week. yeah, because so, where is this information coming from? Where right? is the information coming from? Right now, now normally, if it was a classic search, I would have the link there. This first one here comes up, BuzzFeed. It's like, okay, cool, I go there, go to BuzzFeed. They've got some, now normally, there would be ads plastered all over this, but I've got so many ad-blocking technologies on my network <laughs> that we don't see them, you know, and that, that gives uh, BuzzFeed a little bit of the revenue there right? Mm. But with an AI-assisted search, you don't get that, right? The AI is just straight up telling me what I need, but Dave sourced this information from somewhere.
0: Mm, but it's put in a bunch of links, like, obviously this is not good radio, but, like, I can see a bunch of links there. That, that is linking to the actual websites. Oh, it is, so too. So at least there's that. It is, too.
1: Um... Okay, it is. But here's here's the other thing. For years now, whenever I've done, a lot of the time, if you're doing a quick search in Google, especially for tech things, right, and you've got a very specific question, uh, the excerpt will quite give you quite often give you just that bit of information you need. Mm, yeah, that, that's true. Like,
0: or, or and if not the exact thing, it to help you validate that. Oh yeah, that's the site that I do want.
1: That's right, but. If the excerpt gives you just specifically that answer you need, there's no need to go to the website. Yeah, correct. So yep. it's the same problem, right? The, the the original source is not really getting any sort of um, remuner, rem, you know, any sort of payment for that piece of content. Same problem that um, Copilot has, and the same problem that the AI art has. Yeah, the sourcing the of the coming- training material. Yeah,
0: coming from real information somewhere.
1: That's right. So it remains to be seen. I mean, we may be seeing another dodge case around that. <laughs> or some no, sort no, of no, case around that. Not a dodgy that. case, huh? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, AI server. I'm sure there'll be another one next week. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, it would be interesting because there's not a date yet on when that's going to be more widely available. They are saying soon, like in the coming months, that we should be able to get access to BARD. I do think the one thing that was uh, interesting of what I could see with BARD currently was that it's able to give you responses based off some current events, was I think ChatGBT is currently limited to, I think their data set goes back to like 2021.
1: That's right. It was only populated up to late 2021. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's right. And it's not connected to the net, so it can't update itself.
0: Yeah, I guess it's not. Yep. Getting poisoned by articles about ChatGPT.
1: Oh, yeah. Talk about inflating your ego. <laughs> if an AI can have an ego, wouldn't they? <laughs> That's what would be happening. All right, let's move on here with this last little fun article. Um, Google pays hacker duo 22000 in bug bounties for flaw in multiple cloud projects. Yay. Bug bounties. We yeah. love bug bounties. They're a great we program. Love, They're a great idea. We love a bug bounty. Um, vulnerabilities in four Google Cloud projects have earned a pair of security researchers more than 22,000 in bug bounties. Nice. Yeah.
0: The um, I think uh, the
1: interesting thing with these is,
0: and, and good, good job to the guys who found them, for sure, right? Like mm. that, that's awesome, well-deserving of their bug bounties. But they were just you know normal, uh, you know server-side request forgery attacks. Right, there were uh, get requests that didn't have any CSRF protection.
1: No, they were just sitting there, just sitting um, there. But it was all, so the way they implemented those. The way they tricked it to redirect to uh, the Jupiter Notebook. This one specific one here, the most lucrative project for hacker duo uh, Sriman and Sivashin was machine learning training and deployment platform Vertex AI which netted them a pair of $5,000 $5, payouts for server-side request forgery, bug, and subsequent patch bypass. Now, there's a video here that you can watch on how they do it. They, they do a few things. They, specifically, they're using FeedBurner without the proxy to allow them to, uh, and that's apparently forwarded on the uh, authentication, and then they were able to just capture it in the, in the get, and it leveraged an already existing CVE, which they already knew about, uh, and and were able to get the credentials which then would give them access to that particular any project that p- particular user had owner on
0: took got plenty of details on it it's always nice to read that kind of stuff after it's been fixed and then
1: there was a um another problem uh, on Thea compute engine workstations bug this included exploiting the workbench feature again in Thea uh, the integrated development of Ribbit used Google and Cloud Shell, as as disclosed in a separate blog post. Um, and that one earned them the 3133.70 bounty, all up $22,000 in bounties. Yeah, good job.
0: Not a bad little payday.
1: All right, I'll link that in the show notes. Well, Dave, we might finish up there. What do you think? Yeah, I reckon that'll do, mate. It's a... Uh... Just managed to squeeze out an hour. <laughs> an hour, and it's been a bumper show with a lot going on, including a new segment. Um, but yeah, go off and have a look at the uh, the CRN article that mentions yours truly. I'll just plug that one again. <laughs> and um, yeah, take take a look at that uh, hacker one that I just talked about there, because there is a great video, and he goes through, it, it explains how it works, and it's great great for any tech people that are listening. Um, well, don't forget to go and write a review for the show on iTunes. Um, and uh, you can contact the show on, at gcplife at casna.com.au. We've got a Twitter there, at GCP Life. Also, the website, you can just Google that and you'll find us. Um, there's also a link to uh, the GCP Life iTunes feed in that CRN article, so you can go there and find it that way as well. Uh, and don't forget, today's sponsor was Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. Uh, and that's about it for us for two weeks. How about yourself, Dave?
0: Um, yeah, no, good. <laughs> you know, we say that a certain other former co-host is now in these orbit back around. He is.
1: Um, yeah, so we might. We'll save that little uh, mm. little nugget there, but uh, we might be hearing from him in a few weeks. Always uh, love having we, a guest on. It'd <laughs> be cool to have him back on, yeah. And uh, that's it from us for now, and we'll see you later. Bye. Catch you later. <laughs>
0: He just hit me with the big guns first thing. Like, you know what? This guy that I'm stuck with on the podcast. <laughs> well, I was feeling okay until now. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna have just a little grump in the corner.